Christopher. Boy, you got a haircut, dude. I got one. You've definitely got the French fried taters look today. You look like you're dyeing your hair dark. Dyeing my hair dark? I'm just going to rip my shirt open. Come on, Hasselhoff. You apparently took one of your son's shirts today and put it on. You look less jaundiced today. You haven't broken out the Rikers Island jacket in a while. Your shirt is as dark as the background. You just look like a disembodied head today. Yep. Well done. Well done. Look at the abuse I take at work. Can I take up a claim with HR? This damn guy is so abusive to me. How dare he? (laughs) I have a feeling that they could do a montage of you busting on me, including some of the things you said today as I sat down. (laughs) Yeah, I did. When I said that I'm I'm still tired. Like, oh, oh, you're 56 and you're old and you had to work last week and you're tired. That would be part of the montage. That would be. You're right. It would be. Okay, fine. You're right. You got me. I'm busted. EJ, put him to the test. I don't know if you can make an opening like that with the flip of that around. We'll see. We'll see if EJ can do it. You know, and here's how discombobulated I am, or discombobulated, discompopulated, discombobulated. Here's how, that, that's an example of it. Here's another example. It's Thursday, and I don't have my, my black Seriously. quarter zip. What is going on I'm, here? I'm all screwed up. Where's your I'm quarter zip? Up. Where's your West Virginia quarters, uh, quarter zip? Where's your, your PFT white stripe through the chest quarter zip? I mean, it's disappointing. It really is. I mean, but, you know, season's over, so you're relaxing a little. I get it. I know exactly where it is now. It's in my suitcase, which is still sitting just inside the door to my garage because it'll stay there. I don't know how long it'll stay there, but it'll stay there a little bit longer. So, so I just, I just, when I got home, I just threw it there and it just sits there. Your dirty clothes from your trip are still in there. Like nobody's touched it yet. Wow. Wow. It's still in there. Everything's in there. Okay. And who's going to make the move finally to dig in there and like throw that in the laundry? You will. Okay. Oh, I will. Right. I will. Yeah. 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 I'll do it. Someday I'll do it. Yeah. I'm not sure when, but I'll do it. That's where we're different. Mine would just sit there until somebody takes care of it. Uh, I would just, it's, it's there until somebody takes care of it and then somebody does take care of it. And that, that's that. Yeah, see, mine is in a spot where it's not really in anyone's way, and it's too heavy for my wife to pick it up and carry it. So she'll just treat it as part of the, you know, just stuff that is in that spot, and it'll just be there. And I don't know, it's a weekend project. Zip it open, figure out what's clean, what's not clean, probably wash all of it just to wash the L.A. off of it, even though a lot of it still sat in the suitcase all week. I got, I'm, I'm big on washing L.A. off of me and everything that was with me. Yo, week. you got to do that. You got to wash off the plane. That's the thing I'm like most disgusted yeah. by when I get home. I just feel like the plane is gross. So I'm always like, oh, shower, wash, even the clothes that are in the suitcase in the plane. It's like I can't take it. They're not going on me even if they were clean. They smell like the plane. But we got next week off, so you'll be able to do plenty of laundry, man. Look at this. You're going to have you a know, week off next week. Look at this. Look at this. I, have I, you told this to the people yet? No days off, man. Not. No. It's taking multiple days off in a week. Holy crap, well, Ola, Batman. Well, <laughs> well f- first of all, first of all, I need it. 
And second <laughs> of all, I'll still be working on PFT, so it's not like I'm taking the full week off. I thought about just shutting everything down for a week, but I can't do that to my staff, make them work even harder because I just I, suddenly disappear. I'm shocked, but though. I am, like, I am, we are, we are off of our shows next week. I do need it. Yeah? After being with you for a week in L.A. and <laughs> COVID country, I need it. <laughs> okay. That, that did it? That pushed you over the edge for exhaustion for the year to finally go, okay, yes. I need a few days off? All right. Yeah, that was stressful for you. I get it. I know. You were bubble boy for so long. It was hard to get out in L.A. and do all that. We know, the season, and, and we're not allowed to complain about our jobs because they are great. I'm not complaining about it. But the season is a grind one week after another. You settle into a rhythm. Every day is the same. You really have no days off during the season. Right. There, there are no days off during the season. You don't get a normal weekend. The thing I like about the off season is you get a normal weekend. You do get a normal weekend. You get Saturday weekend. and Sunday. Right, right. Right. Uh, but normal for me is being able to work on PFT whenever I feel like it. You know, I, I'm actually more productive on days that we don't do the shows because I'm committed to three hours, two in the morning and one in the afternoon of show. So that takes away three hours of prime posting time. So I actually will probably be more productive on PFT next week than this week. But the weekends are nice in the off season because during that one week after another, it, and and you you go through it and you don't realize how tired you are until it's all over. I think that's part of it too. It is now that it's all over. Yeah, you, you can take, take a, a breath. breath. Yeah. You take a really big breath. You're like, holy crap, I'm dead. I'm with you. And then so, you know maybe like you know some other stars in the world and people that are happy. We could chug some 1942 this weekend and next week and have some real fun and cuss and just you know chug, do whatever. Chug 1942. I you know I, I chug it. <laughs> that's what I heard people are doing yesterday around wow. the country a little bit. Apparently <laughs> they were. Yeah. Apparently exactly. they were. Right. Uh, Matthew Stafford. <laughs> They're calling him Frat Stafford. Frat on Stafford. Oh last man. Night yes, after. sir. We saw him do his thing. Here's here's a little here's a little uh, frat Stafford chugging 1942 apparently, and and saying some bad words. Yes. at the Rams parade. Let's let's have a listen and a look. I didn't even know it was fourth down. I feel like a bad player for that, but you know what? At the same time, I'm damn happy to be standing up here with you guys celebrating. This Come on. hospitality to this. I appreciate y'all so much. You guys have been unbelievable. Unbelievable all year. And you know what? We appreciate you. Oh my God. Wow. That I, I thought it was a bottle of champagne when I saw it the first time. That's a big old bottle of 42. That's the good, oh, stuff. Man. That's the good stuff right and, there. And it's hard to see through that smoked glass. I don't think there was very much left, left in the bottle. There wasn't much left. There definitely was not. And with the way he was oh, talking, man. like, man, I like you guys. This is great. Uh, that made me think that he's had a lot of damn drinks already for sure. And I'm sure he can put them back like we discussed yesterday. I mean, that's there's something in there. You could see it go down, but you're right. It wasn't a whole lot. And I hope, I mean, wow. I mean, I don't, I hope he didn't do the whole bottle. Well, if, if he did the whole bottle, he'd be in the hospital right now, right? I mean, am I crazy to think that? So that he couldn't have done the whole bottle. I'm, I'm hoping that he shared that and passed that around with the team. Sure, let's go ahead. And, well, I guess the tequila would, would yeah, kill uh, all germs. As, COVID uh, doesn't kill the germs. It doesn't infect tequila. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, uh, now, th th that bottle, even though it's so tall, it looks thin, there's still a lot in there. 
Yes, and, there and, is. Uh, now, he's a big guy. He's right. a big guy. And I, I guess if you spaced it out over the course of the whole day, maybe you could get away with drinking the whole bottle. But, my God. I bought you a uh, bottle once. I know you did, and you got me hooked on it. Right. Got Next you time you buy me a bottle of something, buy me a bottle of something cheap. Got, well, I got you hooked on it, and what the best part of the story is, I got you that bottle right there, but I got, you know, what, our two producers, and uh, Matt Casey and, and Rob Hyland, I got them the really big bottle, and you got jealous when you saw it in a picture. Like, what they accidentally remember? <laughs> I know. Seriously. Yeah, oh, I know. I saw it. Yeah, but you were mad that I didn't get you the really big bottle. I figured you couldn't travel back with the huge bottle in your, look at that, was no-look throw right there. I figured you couldn't travel back with a big one in your suitcase, so that's what I was worried about. Oh, sure you were. Um, he was drinking beer, too. Wait, yeah, we need to see that B-roll again. I know. i got to watch that B-roll again. I was Let's, talking too he much. He had a that hell was of a day. Good. He did. Let's Holy cow. I'm admiring this right now. He's going strong. I mean, Kelly can't be disappointed with his effort here and the, the post-Super Bowl celebration. They've. Uh, I can't tell what. What is that? That's a beer with a Super Bowl logo on it. Probably yep. Bud Light. Now, it now the to the tequila. Straight to the. He's got. He's not handing that tequila around. No look. That's throw my bottle. Right Nineteen forty-two. Yeah. Wow. Man, what is it? Uh, hey. So it's it's liquor before beer. You're in the clear, but beer before liquor. You'll never be sicker, right? I, I, I hope he didn't mix too much there. Well, I, I have a feeling that uh, he mixed it all around. Yeah. And he had a little beer, had a little, liquor, a, had a little wine, wine. <laughs> had a little vodka. He probably is going to sleep in this morning. I'd say he's not watching the live show at 10 a.m. <laughs> no, I don't Pacific think so. Time. And, and, you know, you don't often see the smoking of the cigar at the parades. You usually yeah. see the beer. I think I think Joe Burrow has brought the whole victory cigar thing to the NFL, and I would agree. Maybe with there's that. just a little bit of maybe there's just a little bit of shade with that with Stafford smoking the cigar, I taking hope the not. Joe Burrow trademark. Just a little bit, a little bit. I, I hope not. I, but I do think Joe Bur- Joe Burrow made it cool again. It's like Michael Jordan did it in the early '90s when they won the championship and like made it cool. Maybe that's what Joe Burrow did, and now people aren't like scared or what whatever it may look like but man cool day from everything i saw in la you know again not like the like the most giant parade we've ever seen with all the people and everything but they're building something there they're building a fan base and this is one of the first blocks of it uh i'm 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 like really intrigued to see if this helps them take over the city la going forward you know with just the day yesterday the winning in the super bowl in la uh pretty cool It, it will be interesting to see what happens there one thing to keep in mind, though, they limited the parade route to 1.1 miles, and some of the oh, shots I've seen that. suggested gotcha. that that the crowd just kind of walked the route with them. Yeah, gotcha. So it wasn't like they yeah. were lined up right. that deep all the way. And again, it was only 1.1 miles. And I've seen some overhead shots of the rally, and uh, you know, if you do comparison of that to yeah. some of the others we've seen, it's you not may need Sean level. Spicer. To, uh, to prop Biggest up crowd we ever the, seen. Never been a yeah. bigger inauguration <laughs> ever. Uh, so uh, uh, on the topic of alternative facts, Sean McVay, the coach of the Rams, who had been allowing rumors to manifest and grow about the possibility that he's done, and Aaron Donald the same way, here's McVay and some Donald on the question of whether or not the Rams, and specifically those two key individuals, will be there to hashtag run it back. But I can't say enough about this team, the resiliency, the mental toughness, Super Bowl champs. This will never 
ever, ever get old. Give it up for those players right there getting it done. Sean McVay just tapped me on the shoulder. He wanted to know if you were interested in running it back. Run it back! 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 Give it up for Aaron Donald! What a stud! Everything! We, we, we built the super team. We can bring the super team back. Why not run it back? We can be world champions. Yeah! <laughs> I, yeah, love look, I love I, it. I love it. First of all, there was a little bit of Howard Dean at the beginning. And Rick Flair. With that, and Rick Flair. That, with that, that yell, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a Howard Dean version of the Ric Flair woo. Uh, but what else is Aaron Donald going to say in that moment? I, I <laughs> I, yeah. I don't I don't buy that that's a definitive I'll definitely be back next year. I don't buy that. He just he had to say it in that spot. He had to. Well yeah. He was gonna say, nah, nah, hey Sean, nah, nah. Listen, not today. Not today. I I, uh, I would bet easy, you they it's had easy a, to get caught up in the moment. It's easy to get yes. caught up in the moment if everybody's drinking and having a good time. No no doubt about it. It's a good time. You're celebrating a Super Bowl. It's it's one of the best weeks of your life. You're sitting there with no shirt on and an awesome gold chain and everything. I mean, man, Aaron Donald's body, holy crap. That was I was looking at that more than anything. But I, I bet you like Sean McVay knows man code or guy code or business code or whatever. I would bet you he had a little bit of a lean that Aaron was saying he was going to come back. I would have a hard time thinking McVeigh just called him out out of nowhere. You know, I, w- I would think there was at least a signal that, yeah, I think I'm going to come back. You know, give me another day or two, but I- I'm-, I'm thinking I'm going to come back. I would bet you. I don't think McVeigh would totally call him out like that, uh, but I don't know. Maybe he did. Either way, if he did do it that way, you're right. I mean, Aaron Donald's got no choice but to answer kind of the way he did. As Rick James used to say, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Hell of a Although drug. I'm not suggesting, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that Sean McVay was using cocaine yesterday. I'm talking about other substances, legal substances, including weed. Potentially, you never know. You never know. It's <laughs> legal. But they clearly, Sean McVay clearly was drinking Definitely. yesterday, and yeah. that's fine. Right. That's fine. They were having a good time. But my, my point is, when the dust settles on the parade, that's when people start thinking about the future. Right. And and look. Yeah. When you're in the middle of that moment, you do let yourself think that it's easily replicated, and we know it's not. How many teams over the past 20 years have had these delusions of grandeur that they're right. going to have a parade every year, and how many actually do? Yeah, no, none. N- none. In the past the Patriots, 20 years. Uh, it's the Patriots, and that's it. You know, the Patriots twice, right? You're right. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's brutal. 0304. None yeah. since then. It's, it's tough as hell. I mean, that, that's really what it is. You're right. It, the way the league's set up. How even it is, it's it's hard to go back year after year and win it. We saw the Chiefs and we thought how great of a team they were with you know arguably the best player in the sport. They get back and don't play their best on that day, get a few injuries, and you get blown out in the Super Bowl. So there's just so many circumstances that can you know lead to you failing to repeat. But either way, Lego, I've talked about you know. First off, I think Aaron Donald does love, love football. I'm sure he is a little worn out, but I think he is, like, at the end of the day, going to look at it and go, man, this team, we're kind of good. I'm still really good. I'm going to hang in there and keep going and see if we can't strike while the iron's hot. And I got the sense, as I told you, with being around McVay, the, you know, the 10 days before the Super Bowl when we spent the day with the Rams, that he's found a little bit of that work-life balance and that the year was a little bit less stressful than other years, that – he didn't seem as worn out. He kind of, 
he hinted at those type of things. So that's where I'd be surprised if they stepped away. And, uh, man, they had a lot of fun at that party yesterday. I mean, it looked like they had a great time. Aaron Donald is so big it's amazing. in the top of his upper body. Yeah. It makes his pecs look small. Yeah, I mean, look at it. He is so big. Right. He is so big in the shoulders, the traps, the biceps, and the triceps that his pecs look ordinary. He That's just, how big he is around it. I know. It's amazing. You know, it's, he's a 280-pound man that's, you know, built like a, you know, the, usually linebackers have a body like that, but they're 245 pounds, not 280 and throwing around 315 pound, you know, offensive guards and offensive tackles. It's a freak, freak of nature. And, and, you know, like we talked about in the pregame and all last week and everything else, I mean, it's official. You watch that game back, I mean, it, it is official. He is one of the greatest defensive players of all time. There is nothing you could say about it. And looks like he's pretty, yeah, they're, they're a team of stars. They're pretty good partiers, too. Man, I mean, NFL players, they know how to go hard on the field, and they know how to go hard off the field, too. I can't imagine how much alcohol was consumed in other substances over the last 48 hours in L.A. You know, I think that's a group that knows how to play hard, work hard, do it all hard, and just have fun. And, uh, you know, they deserve it. That's for sure. You know, you think of the great interior defensive linemen over the past 20 years. Yeah. And most, most of them. You know, it's not they're all not built like Vince Wilfork. No, you got a lot of extra. You got a lot of extra uh, flesh in the middle. Definitely. So that so that you're harder to push around, but you're right. still very athletic and strong and nimble. Aaron Donald compensates for the lack of of weight by the strength. Yes. He doesn't need to have that extra weight in the middle because he got so much strength up top. He can you're still. Right. He's right. still hard to move. Yeah, it, it's where it's rare. You're right. Like. You know, it's it's uh, it's a rare body type that really we've never seen at the position. I think that's why he kind of fell a little bit in the draft because people were a little scared. You know, whoa, can somebody this size and this build really do it and week after week and stay healthy? But I, I don't know. You know, I think a smaller athletic def- defensive tackles. I think a Warren Sapp, right? He wasn't like the the biggest, gi- most gigantic guy you ever saw. But you know, to your point, he was big in the middle. He had a different body structure for sure. And then. You know, I don't know who else would be even that. Like John Randall, right? Maybe he would be one of those guys that was John really Randall. ripped and jacked, yes. right? Maybe not quite as athletic as it, but similar. But yeah, there's very few people that have played that position that are like that, Mike. I think you're you're spot on. John Randall was like thick. He was thicker like than Aaron Donald. Like, like right. Aaron Donald's got a V. Right. Defensive tackles aren't supposed to have a V. Right. That's right. They're not supposed to have a V. That's where I always like, you know, I always wonder too with Aaron Donald, like if he didn't so obsessive about working out and just being like all over nutrition and protein intake and rest and all that, like what would his normal walking around weight be? I, I really do wonder that all the time. And that's why I do wonder why at the age of 30, you know, if he's going, damn, my body hurts and I'm a little stressed because, you know, I'm looking at the guy again, he's 6'1". You know, I, I feel like if he just like was a normal, everyday Joe Schmo, and yeah, I went to the gym two or three days a week, maybe four, like, I feel like he'd probably be a 250, 255-pound man. But his obsessive work ethic and everything that he is into that has allowed him to be 30 more, 30 more pounds of extra muscle and have a V like you talked about to where it's just really rare to have the strength he has in the – in the you know smaller type package that he has, it's, it's it's I've never seen anything like it. More than ten teams passed on Aaron Donald it's in the crazy. 2014 draft, 
including the Rams. Yeah, The right. Rams had the second overall pick and took Greg Robinson, Greg Robinson. attack from Auburn, who was a complete and total bust. bust yeah. Sorry, it's true. And then one pick after OBJ, that's when Aaron Donald came off the board. I said, you know, the Lions, I still remember that draft vividly. The Lions should have taken him. The Lions were in the last year with Indomitian Sue. Nick Fairley was in the last year of yeah, his rookie contract as right. well. They had a clear need at defensive tackle, and they took Eric Ebron instead of Aaron Donald and uh, still kicking themselves today. Not that the, the Lions are the Lions. I mean, the fact that Matthew Stafford went straight from the Lions with no playoff wins in 12 years and won a Super Bowl with the Rams shows you that it's not him, it's the Lions right. for the past 12 years. And the yep. fact that they didn't take Aaron Donald is one of the reasons why the Lions – is the Lions, to borrow a phrase from Juju Smith-Schuster. You're going to rephrase that? It's not the Browns is the Browns, it's the Lions is the Lions. the Lions, yeah. (laughs) But, but, even though the best player on the Rams was acquired via the use of a first-round pick when Les Snead was the GM, Les Snead now has a clear disdain for first-round picks to the extent that they had a T-shirt a made with a bad word on it. <laughs> Chris's it. favorite word yes. appearing on the T-shirt. Yes. Here's Les Sneed talking about his F-them picks, <laughs> F-K-them picks T-shirt. Hey, here's what I know. The late John Madden said that winning the Super Bowl was the highest of high. So you know what? Our players, our coaches, Stan, his family... Every one of us in the organization who support him on that mission and everyone out there, you know what? We know what that highest high feels like today. So in honor of the shirt, F them picks. We'll use them to go win more Super Bowls. Uh, uh, Les Snead playing the role of the just about fully drunk uncle at the barbecue blaming somebody for putting a dent in his fender. That was kind of the whole demeanor of Les Snead there, wasn't it? It was. It was. It's why I like that group out there in L.A. And again, it goes into it's just they kind of wear their heart on their sleeve. It's not an act. They're not politicians. You know, you kind of what you see is what you get. Really, from the players down to the coaches, it's the McVeigh culture we talk about so often, uh, and I, you know, I like it. I really do. It's just not your normal, you know, we're going to say the right thing football talk, and you know, I'm always going to, you know, CYA cover my own ass with comments and all that. You know, they're just I, I find it refreshing that they kind of play with the narratives and they know what's out there in the media and they don't act like oh we didn't know we don't read it I, I, I think that's what's kind of cool about the Rams I really do it's what I like about McVay and Les Snead and they got a lot of self-confidence in thyself and that's why they're going to be running it back with the super team well if they're going to be trading away more picks they're not going to be trading <laughs> they're uh, out, any they're first out rounders of picks. until 2024 <laughs> look at that it's amazing look at that their first pick is a compensatory pick in round three that they got because the Lions hired Brad Holmes to be their GM last year. They have, after that, a fifth-round pick and two picks in round seven. A point that Peter King made last week, they do a nice job of using their late-round picks on players who contribute. But you know what? they got no choice. They guys have to contribute. When you got no other picks, they become the, the, the centerpiece of your draft class. You better get them ready to go. You better coach them up. But... Uh, you know, less need, and, and they've developed this vibe where they don't put the same importance on first-round picks that everyone else does, and they, they'd rather get premier players 
instead of taking their chances with a lottery ticket, even though Aaron Donald was a pretty damn good lottery ticket that they returned. Yeah, no, no doubt about got, it. I mean, all these guys, all these guys they have on the team from the draft right. the last five years, not first-rounders. No, it's uh, it, it's something that I've talked about on my podcast quite a bit because I get questions about you know their team building and it, it you know one of the one of the ways that you know, you know the Rams they have to have great confidence in their ability to draft with what they've done with some of the draft picks. I think that's part of the reason they're not afraid to do it though. You know that that, that is the point. You know I think we've discussed it in the past too. Yeah, there's a ton of middle round contributing football players on that team. So, one, they have the confidence in that aspect. You know, two, I think to your point, they are about over the proven, over the potential. They, they, that's one thing I learned, too. They're going to take proven over the lottery ticket that you said every day. Uh, they made that very clear to me when I was out there last week. And, you know, the other thing I find interesting, too, is just, you know, I, and I, I didn't really know this. It really wasn't, you know, an intended plan. It kind of just fell on their lap, the whole thing, the super team, the, you know, all the stars. It just was like, hey, this guy's available. Okay, let's get him. And then somebody else came available, and they were like, whoa, okay, wait, we, I would love to have him. Wait, we, we can figure this out. Let's try to do it. Okay, let's get Jalen Ramsey. And it kind of just went so on and so on. But there was never, like, I don't know. I guess when I asked Sean McVay the question, I thought he was going to, like, tell me, yeah, you know, me and Les were sitting there, you know, three years ago, and we decided, you know, let's take this route and do it this way. And that wasn't the case. It was really one of those things that kind of just happened organically, and they've kind of just run with it. Well, and one of the main reasons they did it was they had to get rid of Jared Goff. Yeah. And, and – one of the picks that they threw overboard was the first rounder that they tucked into the Matthew Stafford deal to get the Lions to take the god-awful Jared Goff contract off their hands. I mean, they got no business being back in the Super Bowl after extending Jared Goff's contract in the 2019 offseason. That was a huge mistake by them. It was. And they had to give up. They had to pay dearly for that yeah. mistake, giving up two ones and a three to the Lions for Matthew Stafford. And it worked short-term. Long-term is going to be a different issue because how many more years is Matthew Stafford going to play? What, what could those two first-round picks and third-round pick have been? We'll never know. Because whoever the Lions take with those picks, it doesn't mean that's who the Rams would have taken with those picks. But, it, it's, you know, it's, it's already proven everybody it's worth, though, right? Don't you think? At least well, you, that's right. You, yeah, well, right. You got a Super Bowl trophy out. Yeah, yeah. You got a Super Bowl trophy. And, and I, I – uh, the, the writers at PFT, we exchanged text messages – to let each other know what stories we're going to be writing. And Josh Alper uh, texted just during this segment that he's posting on Brandon Bean, the Bills GM, talking about taking swings like the Buccaneers and the Rams have done the yeah. last two years. And yeah. I responded to him, well, does he, does he plan to? And he said he'll make a move if the right opportunity arises, but what about two or three years from now? Well, two or three years from now, they can't take away your Super Bowl trophy. No, that that's and if like you, you go all say, in and win, yeah, you you'll figure it out later, right? And like you always say, they, they, there's lots of ways to finagle this thing. You know, we sit here right now and go, whoa. You know, we look at the Rams team and we go, oh, whoa. I, I'm, I wonder if they can keep everybody next year and extend everybody. But, you know, again, you look at pro football talk yesterday. I know you guys, you wrote an article. I can't remember if it was you specifically. I look at other websites. Like, the Rams are not in bad salary cap space by any stretch of the imagination. It's going to be very easy for them to finagle an extra 60 or $70 million out of the cap. Yeah, I know there's going to be some repercussions down the line somewhere. But right now, the time is now. You go for it. 
So that that's that's what they're doing. And and Mike, I mean, I know during the season. We talked about it a few times with the Buffalo Bills and the Brandon Bean situation, right? I remember us having the conversation going, they need, remember, they need Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ they need another available. star, right? They need another star on offense and they need another star on defense. That, that's, hey, when you watch the Kansas City game, what's the difference between the two teams? Kansas City just got a few more playmakers in the Buffalo Bills. That was the, that was the, it was the, the same team, except Kansas City had two or three guys that just said, I don't need the play to be perfect all the time. I can just make it happen because I'm that great. And that's where the now, Bills, to me, missed the ball a little bit. They do have Josh Allen. Though, Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis did all right. He did great. I know that. Game. I know that. But, but just think, just think. You take Von Miller and OBJ. Take him from the Rams, put him on the Bills. Yes. Would the parade have been in, in Western right. New York that's yesterday? A, that's, that's Maybe. Right. right, right. And that's where I think Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay is probably looking at it because they tried to get OBJ and Stephon Gilmore. They didn't try very hard. Yeah, but because they, they don't have enough money. They couldn't do it hard enough. I mean, that's another issue too. But, yes, your point's real there. Yeah. Your point's real. I don't buy that salary cap nonsense. You can make it work if you really want to make Green it Bay work. Green Bay never makes and anything work. So I don't know what's going on in Green Bay. They never make anything work. Yeah. I don't. So I can't Draft back and them develop. up. Yeah. Draft and develop. Right. Draft and develop. Draft. And, you can't be. You can't be all of one thing. You have to be willing to consider all options of when course. you're building your team. Right. And and draft and develop as an exclusive way to build an NFL franchise doesn't work as well as it could. You have to be willing to make your move and shoot your shot on free agents or trades who become available. If there's a player out there that you think is going to make your team dramatically better, you find a way to get him, period, like the Rams Agreed, do. agreed, right. I think you look at a lot of the top teams in football, they, they've taken that approach as of lately. You know, you just you go through the list. Tennessee, I mean, they did that. They did the draft, but they've got a lot of free agent moves too that help their football team. You know, whether it be some of the guys on the defense, cornerbacks, Julio Jones last year. I mean, you go through the list. Kansas City, we know they made their moves, right? You know, I mean, New England, of course, their moves they made this past year. We know Tampa Bay, the Rams, the Arizona Cardinals have made a lot of moves over the last two years. The 49ers have a mixture of things as well in their football team. You know, to me, you're, you're exactly right. That's the point. You can't just think you're going to do it one way. Now, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating your organization. You know, there, there's just times where you got to break the mold a little bit and go, you know what, this guy puts us over the top, even though it's not what we usually do or the structure and how we do it, but this guy will put us over the top, a.k.a. like the 49ers with a Trent Williams or somebody of that nature. you got to make that move every now and then to give your team juice and just get that, like we talked about, you don't always have to worry about the X's and O's. The Jimmys and the Joes got to make some plays for you at times, and that's what the Rams had. We saw that. The Jimmys and Joes came through and a big moment, and the X's and O's weren't always there to support them. And I understand the idea of trying to build a team that is relevant and that contends year after year. Everyone wants to avoid 3-14 and 14 because 3-14 and 14 gets people fired. Yeah. So if you can build a team that is always in that range of 10 to 12 to 13 wins, you've got maximum employment security but you're never going to win a super bowl that that's that's the vikings model just good enough just good enough never great for fear of having it all fall apart 
but just good enough. It keeps everyone employed. It keeps the train moving. It keeps the revenue rolling in. Every year we're relevant at Christmas time when when the kids make their list and they want Vikings jerseys instead of Twins or Timberwolves or Wild jerseys. I mean, they want to go to Vikings games, not the other game. They're relevant, but they never go grab the brass ring. And the Rams are showing us, and the Buccaneers showed us last year, if you want to win the Super Bowl, you got to go grab the brass ring. And if you fall off the horse in the process, hey, that's one of the risks you have to take if you want to grab the ring. Right. Bold moves get it done. I mean, bold moves get it done. I mean, you're right. You talk about the Rams. You know, you talk about, like, the Kansas City Chiefs trading up in the draft to get Patrick Mahomes to get their team over the hump that way. I mean, there's a lot of examples we can go through to go through, wait, the team had it, and then they added the one or two players to now go, wait, we're a playoff team and we're good, and to, oh, holy crap, now we're a Super Bowl team. And, you know, again, the Patriots, they did it all the time. I mean, you know, Aqib Tlaib, Darrell Revis, Stephon Gilmore. You know, I mean, that, that's what they did, you know, and then some bunch of value guys behind that, you know, just to, to fill out, like, the importance of their team. Oh, like little role spots. So, you know, the, the, you're exactly right in that aspect. And that's where, again, we've gotten into the Rodgers-Green Bay. I think it's frustrating with them. But, you know, I, I think we're seeing teams that are a little more willing to go aggressive, a little more willing to go with the proven commodity and waking up to this, the, the fact of, like, you know, what kind of you've always said, Mike, you've always been all over it. It's, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. You know, hey, you look at the Raiders and what they've done with the Khalil Mack trade and all that. I mean, they really haven't got that many good players out of it. We went, oh, what a great trade for the Raiders and all that. Well, you know, I know Khalil Mack hasn't been the superstar the Bears wanted, but he's been really damn good. And they went to the playoffs two out of three times, and it was because of the defense. And that was a move that got them over the top and made them a playoff team. And then there was the Raiders with all those potential picks. And, you know, it's a potential piece of crap right now. And, and there's two phases to this. You've got the off-season when you have a chance to really sit down and make your plan and, and figure out what you're going to do like the, like the Rams did, excuse me, with Matthew Stafford last year. I think the real challenge is during the season, during the grind, during the one game after another game after another game, and you're busy all week long preparing for the next game, having the capacity to tap the brakes on – your preparation for the next game, to carve out time to sit down and have the conversation, a meaningful conversation. Cause, and this is where i got to give Sean McVay credit because he's, he's the one calling the shots there. He's kind of like John Gruden in that he, he's, he's – I don't, I don't know whether it's humility or, or he doesn't want to get blamed for the bad decisions. But I, I think McVay's got the power there. So Les Snead's got to corral McVay. Get him to take some time to sit down and talk about these possibilities. And McVay has to be willing to do it. It's too easy when you're caught up in the week-in and week-out grind of football season. It's too easy to say, screw it. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to watch Von Miller film. I don't have time to figure out whether or not this is going to fit with our defense. I don't have time. We, we have a full schedule of getting ready for our next game. Don't bother me with this now. And I think some teams probably have that attitude. Some coaches... They give off the vibe, and the front office knows, don't, don't, bo- no, don't, don't bother coach with that now. He's caught up in preparation for next weekend's game. you got to be willing to set aside your regular work to focus on the question of, is this the opportunity? 
that we need to take. Is this the guy that's going to make a difference for us when we get to January? And uh, that, that's part of the challenge of finding more time in the day. There's only so much time in the day to do your work. And I think the great coaches will, will stop everything they're doing, focus on that, and then still find the time to get their other work done. I agree. I, I, I think you're spot on there, too. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I know you are there. I, I've had too many conversations with this type of stuff with, with coaches around the NFL. The good teams have guts and are aggressive, period. And with McVay and Les Snead, too, I think it's a really fantastic working relationship, too, to where, you know, McVay can trust – Lesnin, like he trusts his eye, he trusts his work. He comes to him with the Von Miller trade. Lesnin's probably already watched the film to verify it. McVeigh, then okay, you like it. He knows okay, I'm going to watch a little too, but I don't have to grind because I trust Lesnin is already grinding that situation. You know, yell down the hallway, hey, Raheem Morris, defensive coordinator, check out the Von Miller film. You think it's good? Do you think he can work in our defense? Blah blah blah. And they're the type of group that gets excited about it. And I think that's why it works, and that's why I don't think it's like an extra grind for that group either because it's just a again. I can't speak enough to the atmosphere there in L.A. being there. You know, what was the, the phrase that uh, I heard McVeigh, you know, use? It's just, you know, they're detailed, but they're not, what was it, uh, you know, demeaning, right? They're detailed, but not demeaning, or they're demanding, but not demeaning. And you can get that sense pretty quick there. You know, yeah, they expect intensity. They're not MFing you and telling you how horrible you are when you mess things up. They demand you be better. And I think that kind of, like, filters throughout the building. And with the way the league is right now, it's so close. It's set up to be so even. Man, three or four difference makers on your team. The games come down to three or four plays. Uh, those guys make the difference. And the Rams and some of the other good teams in football have seemed to have figured that out. Yeah, and look, it always seems easier than it is when we're celebrating the one team that won it. It ain't easy because you got 31 other teams that are trying to do it. And whether it's the Rams or the Bengals, both teams are going to have the much larger target on their backs in 2022. And uh, there's a reason why it has been so damn long. I remember when I was a kid, I got sick of teams winning back-to-back championships. It gets old. It gets boring. It's Steelers, 74 and 75. That, and before that, the Dolphins, 72 Dolphins. and 73. Yeah. They were there and the three Steelers, years in a row. And the Steelers, 78 and yeah. 79. Right. You, 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 you kind of get to the point where, where you, it, gets, it gets old. It gets, and, and you accept that that's just the way it is. The, the Super Bowl, even though it was this magical day back in the 70s, you kind of accepted the fact that the game sucked. And, and we'd have these repeat champions. And it was the same handful of teams. And the salary cap error. I mean, really. Uh, and it just shows you how great the Patriots have been. Yeah, that's it. That they've been able right. to bend it in their direction and win six in 20 years. Yeah. Because now we're seeing, now that Tom Brady's gone from the Patriots, we're seeing how hard it is. And, it's gonna, and hopefully it will be a different team every year. Hopefully there will be plenty of different cities that get to have the celebration that happened yesterday even though the Rams seem to think that they're going to have another one next year. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, first off, your, your, your thing about the Patriots is, is exactly right. It just, again, I mean, a clinic in team building, a clinic in coaching, a clinic in finding the right psych- psychological approach to the game that fits their football team. 
You know, the Patriots to me were great as the fact that they took a route that was, you know, a little different. To, you know, I, I think we discussed this a little in the season where it wasn't about the stars. In fact, they were more like, let's get a bunch of like B players and. Now I can have great depth at all these positions that I need that are important to my scheme. And now with these B players, I can match up, though, against every team in football. And now I'm such a great coach with my coaching, and now you give me the pieces that match up with that team, I'll figure out a way to beat this team now. And then I'll just acquire like two or three stars at really important positions for my team, and that'll put us over the top, a.k.a. make the Randy Moss trade or draft Gronk or get Darrell Revis or Aqib Tlaib like we've talked about. That, to me, is where the Patriots were a little different. It was like value, value, value. Wait, I need a star here and here, okay, now we're a Super Bowl team. And they were different that way. Uh, but it was a clinic, of course, like you said, and that's why it's just so special and going to be hard to replicate that. And, and depth. Yeah. Quality depth right. when the injuries happen. Exactly. That was always a concern for the Rams. Yes. You get too many injuries to any of these key players, good luck right. with the, the, next, man the, up, Super the Bowl. next man up as an undrafted free agent. Yeah. I mean, we saw the Super Bowl. Odell got hurt, and we went, oh, crap. Who else is on the team on the offense that's going to scare anybody? You know, tight ends down, second tight end down. I mean, yeah, that's, we saw it. They were dangerously close there to, you know, having one more injury to go, oh, man, that, their, their team's not the same. Yeah, so, yeah, they dodged the bullet. They've continued to dodge bullets. But, again, I think that's also a little bit of a credit to McVay and company, too, and knowing what they have as a team and practicing and training the right way for that team to have a good feel, to keep guys that, yeah, it's a top-heavy roster, but keep them fresh and, and limit the injuries. They're doing something right in that department, that's for sure. You know, when you consider what they were down to at receiver and tight end, it makes it even more ridiculous that yes. the Bengals – put Eli Apple on an island against Cooper Cup with the game on the line, with the championship on the line. It's tough. You know, you're, you're on the, they're on the one-foot, two-foot line there. You know, so you're, you're I gonna... know it's hard to double a guy there. I yeah, know it's hard. It's hard. I, and, you're, and, and if you it's put hard. two guys in his face right there, you are sending a message someone else is going to have a favorable matchup. But you don't have your best players. I know. Let someone else go one-on-one against Ben Squaronic. No offense to Ben no, Squaronic. Yeah, you're, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I, I hear you. It's, it's, easy, it's easy for us to say it now, but, man, uh, when they're diminished like that, it justifies more focus on Cooper Cup. No, I guess that's well, I, I think that's one thing that, I, I, you know, again, I had my What the F Happened Wednesday podcast yesterday, and that was one of the things that, you know, through my breakdown of the game that really jumped out to me. You know, is the fact that I think if the Bengals, when they watch back the film and defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo, who had a great year and is a phenomenal coach, I think the one thing he'll look at is go, man, I wish I would have played more man-to-man coverage in the third and fourth quarter and just doubled Cooper Cup and had our other guys play man because they couldn't separate. I mean, really, that was one of the themes that I, I certainly took home at the second half of the game. When the Bengals played man, the Rams couldn't do much. When they played zone, and that's what they did on the major, almost every play on that last drive of the game, I mean, every, until they got down there on the one, two-yard line, they played zone, and Matt Stafford and company you know, carved them up. Even though, yeah, these guys weren't wide open, but within the zone, there was just enough holes and room for them to fit the ball in there in some tight situations, and that was the difference. I mean, you know, hey, uh, Cooper Cup got manned up on Logan Wilson uh, you know, two or three times on the last drive of the game. Caught the ball across the middle. Of course, you know that was zone. He, he had the no-look pass. He moved Von Bell with his eyes in that zone. 
zone to hit Cooper Cup behind him. That was one thing that did jump out to me, Mike, to your point about that man and doubling stuff. Um, well, we'll talk more about the Super Bowl later. We'll toss yeah. some loose ends with a mailbag. When we return, though, a guy went from the parade yesterday to a city today that has been desperate for a parade of their own. That Florio mediocre team. That mediocre purple team. Kevin (laughs) O'Connell. Officially, finally, the Vikings head coach. We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. (laughs) Peter King and I talked about this on Friday, and Peter's position is, that's bull crap. He knew. He just thought, and this isn't exactly what Peter said, but he thought. (laughs) What did he he, say? He said Vikings suck. (laughs) They do. You're right. The Vikings suck. They suck. Hey. You know? Hey. I wish you would have got Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I like Thanks. those guys. Yeah, I like those guys too. Yeah, great guys. I, I was telling you, I was telling you during the break that I really wished I would have had a comeback for those guys, but my first thought was to yell F off, but not your 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 we first were. thought was wait that guy pulled his mask down and he might be giving me COVID from forty feet That's away. True. Shut up! That's true. That is true. That I is know true. that is. was our first day there. Yeah, that I know was it the is. day that you're like he's that during spreading our breaks, virus towards me. <laughs> that that was the day that during our breaks I was looking for my flight home. Yeah, so, I know you were. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was preoccupied. That was grouchy day. Florio day. Yes, <laughs> I let me tell you, I was so close to leaving. Uh, now uh, we can laugh you don't about have it now. I know. We know. I was so close to leaving. My son, credit to my son for talking me into staying. Credit to Matt Casey, who, you know, is helping with the show today (laughs) and having to deal with you with, like, your evil eyes when they come out, and it's like smoke starts to come out of your ears. It's like literally I can see it. You're like a cartoon when you start to get mad. It really is amazing. uh, (laughs) Hey, hey, let me tell you something. It rarely happens. It never happens when we have a technical snafu, Dr. Doom. And uh, and third, what was my third point? Oh, Matt Casey never came back all week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was like, the hell with that guy. Uh, I got Super Bowl prep. I'm not going to deal with him anymore. <laughs> he was... He was a ghost yeah. after he had to deal with me that day. Yeah. But but he understands. We, we, we're fine. I think we're fine. I don't know. This is fine. It's this not the fine. first time you've that yelled will, at him, that's that for will, sure. That will be fine. No, it, it's. It, I was. Mad. I told him I wasn't mad at him. I was mad at myself. Yeah. But uh, right. anyway. The old uh, mad at yourself that. comment. Yeah. It's not you, it's I me. I wasn't mad at him. <laughs> I wasn't mad at him. Now you're going to make me mad at you, well, ass. Well, uh, you, were, you uh, were a little mad. You were like, oh, you didn't tell me Sunday this place was going to be open. If I would have known this, I would have another mother effing never came. Uh, <laughs> that's not how it went. That's not how it went. You need to do a better job of eavesdropping. All right. Uh, we won't have to eavesdrop today. Kevin O'Connell will be introduced to the press conference as the new Vikings head coach. Only the 10th coach in team history. Mike Zimmer was there for eight years. Before that, it was Leslie Frazier. Before that, it was Brad Childress. Before that, it was Mike Tice. Before that, it was Dennis Greenpoint. I remember them all, and none of them won a Super Bowl. Will Kevin O'Connell win a Super Bowl in Minnesota? We'll see what he says today. You know, this is the day that they say all the right stuff. This is the day that they get the fans all fired up so they renew their season tickets and they buy their jerseys and they buy the new hats and they buy this and they buy that. It is a business. Uh, Brad Childress actually won more games than he lost. That's depressing. Um, 
God. Who was your favorite? Uh, but, uh, favorite Mike, out of all those coaches? You know, even let's add Denny Green. Out of in those there. four, and, you know, well, uh, Jerry Denny Burns Green, back Denny Green. in the day. Denny Green was your favorite. Yeah, yeah, because the the, the Vikings had gone through a, you know a three year stretch of mediocrity, and Denny Green changed everything right away. And they were in the playoffs. 92, 93, 94, they missed it in 95, then it was 96, 97, 98 was the magical year that they should have gone to the Super Bowl. 99, the Rams' emergence got in their way. 2000, they were back in the, in the NFC Championship, and the, the, the Giants intercepted their, their, uh, their signals from the booth down to the sideline. One of the most underreported stories in NFL history, the Giants cheated that day. I'm kidding. Don't sue me, Giants. I'm joking. But there was a little story about that, but it disappeared as quickly as it ever came up, the 41 nothing game. But Denny Green, because I, when I first discovered the Vikings, they had Bud Grant. Right. And they were always good. So you yeah. kind of took Bud Grant for granted. Right. And after Bud Grant, it was Les Steckel, which was a disaster. Uh, yeah. Jerry Burns was just kind of funny. Like, they were successful despite they Burns. They were good. Yeah, but it was. He was like a character. Right. Hair messy. We always called him. <laughs> we always called him Bedhead Burns. Yeah, that, my, my buddy and I, Bedhead Burns. Yeah, he looked like he, he looked. He always looked like he rolled out of bed. Gee, we I, always looked like, like Peter King know. on a Yahoo uh, <laughs> when you're working with him for a Yahoo video on Tuesdays. <laughs> Straight out of bed, gets up. Don't even. I think he does him in bed. I think he just like sits up like the Undertaker, and his desk is there, and he does the videos, and then lays back down. I really do. So, but uh, Denny Green, I really thought they were going to win a Super Bowl with Denny Green. Well, yeah, well they should have. I mean, you, you know, we, we've talked about it enough. They blew it definitely. All right, so like you know, Mister Viking fan, Mister Purple People Eater over there, how you feeling about the new head coach, Kevin O'Connell? You know, what, I know we know you wanted Jim Harbaugh. We know that. Thank God you didn't get him. I think it's a blessing in disguise. How are we feeling about Kevin O'Connell? I, I, I wanted Jim Harbaugh. That's how I'm feeling about Kevin O'Connell. Gosh, jeez, jeez. Here, here, here's here's the, here's the thing. I've been doing this for so long now that guys who were drafted years into the existence of PFT are now becoming head coaches. That's how long I've been doing it. Yeah. So it's hard for me to get on board with someone dramatically younger than me who is coaching the team that was coached by Bud Grant. Well, even who was though you just saw God descended from right. heaven when I was eight years old, it's e- hard for me to process. Well, this. even though you just watched the Super Bowl with two coaches that are significantly younger than you, and you know got their teams there from that coaching none tree, them, none of them. That doesn't change. None you? of them coached the Vikings. None <laughs> of them coached the Vikings. All right. It's, well, you should be excited. It, it, and, well, I'm not. I'm sorry. I mean, you want you want an honest answer? You want me to lie to you? You can turn another channel and they'll lie to you all morning long and tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not excited about it. I'm not. I'm not excited about Ed Donatel as the defensive coordinator. What the F is that? I mean, there's so many of these coaches, and, and, and I know that it's a tough job, but there's so many of these just kind of like guys who have been hanging around that really aren't great. I, I mean, shouldn't you want great coaches? You want to fix your defense? You don't fix it with Ed Donatel, all due respect. I, when I saw that last week, I was like, what is this? Is he going to use, use a 3-4 now? Great. Ask Mike Nolan how that went in Dallas. Well, well listen, I, I, I hear you. You know, I do think Ed Donatel, you know, has been around some pretty good defensive minds the last few years to where uh, I understand maybe some of the other stops weren't, you know, great or sexy. 
But I think he's grown his knowledge. I can get behind that and support that. I can. You know, whether that's, you know, in Denver with Vic Fangio and company, right? He was with the Bears and, and that, you know, Fangio there and that group. And, then, you know, even Brandon Staley was a part of that group. So I got to think he's gotten better on that side of the ball. Yes, you know, again, it does come down to relationships and knowing people to a degree. You know, I think there is some connections between Ed Donatel and that coaching staff. So that's there. Yeah, you want to have a guy that you know you feel comfortable. I think it's a young head coach in Kevin O'Connell. He'd like to have a guy that's been there and done that a little bit on the defensive side of the ball so he doesn't you know, have too much on his plate that way. I, I, don't, I don't look at it and think, oh, man, that's a dumb hire. I don't. I understand you not being excited. But, but I can get behind Ed Donatel, and I can certainly get behind Kevin O'Connell. Again, we're going to see what he's made of. It's hard to know right now, like we talked about a little bit last week at the Super Bowl. He's never really even called plays in the NFL, you know? So that's, that's something we got to see. He's still a beginner in that aspect, but he's been behind people who are really good at calling plays in the NFL, too, and he's been able to learn, you know, let alone see how a culture's built and all the other things that go along with it. And I think O'Connell has that type of personality to where he can get a good culture together there in Minnesota like McVay as well. You know, again, it just he rubbed me he rubbed me the right way being around him a few times to where Mike, you know, again, not that I'm always right, but I at least went walked away and went that guy's got, you know, head coach in him. The way he can command a room, talk to people, do that. And those are one of the, you know, the first few things I look at for potential head coaches. I just know when Sean McVay got the job with the Rams, there was a buzz. And maybe it's because yeah. he's so damn young. There was a buzz and an expectation from the moment he walked through the door. Right. That this guy was going to be great. Right. And there's no, I'm sorry, the buzz isn't there. Maybe it's because they flirted with Jim Harbaugh as aggressively as they did, that the buzz went his way, that that was the guy with the name. And I just feel like Kevin O'Connell is the latest iteration of the offensive coordinator of Super Bowl champion. There's always going to be one that's the hot guy, and how many of those guys Unless end you're up the enemy, being, right. <laughs> being eight and nine, right, exactly, end up being eight and nine and ultimately getting fired after five, four or five years. I, I just, I, it's, it's a predictable, safe formulaic selection it's not fortune favors the brave it's not just a a tagline to sell a a pyramid scam it's it's real when it comes it gets back to what we were talking about last segment are are you going to do something bold in an effort to go win a super bowl or are you just looking to tread water be 10 and 7 9 and 8 11 and 6 i just feel like i feel like for as much as the Vikings created the impression when they fired everybody, at least Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer, that that just good enough was no longer good enough. I feel like they've settled back into their valley of just good enough. I, I And we'll see. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Kevin O'Connell, well, I'm sorry. I know this is a bad first impression, but prove me wrong. I'm, well, I, I, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not going to lie yeah. about my honest opinion. That's my honest opinion. I, I, I hear you. That, that's fine. And I understand the questions. And, hey, it's, uh, the questions are real, too. You know, again, like we talked about last week, too, the optics look weird. A guy that got a head coach that hasn't called plays. And to your point, Byron Leftwich and Eric Bieniemy don't get a job. Doesn't look right, certainly. But doesn't mean he's not qualified for it. And, hey, I can also understand owners want to go with this route. I mean, again, we're sitting here in a, in a league right now where, you know, the, the, the final four in the NFL 
had three guys from this coaching tree. So that's it's hard to not see that Zach Taylor, Matt Lafleur. I mean, no, not even Matt Lafleur. So I mean, you had you had you had four in the final eight, but you had you know you had McVay, Shanahan, Zach Taylor, and then of course you had Lafleur, who led the number one seed in the NFC. They all know each other, and Kevin O'Connell's from that. So I'm I'm not gonna fall you know from falling into that trap right there with Kevin O'Connell. I can understand that. I can I can get behind that 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 aspect of it, and I think that's what they're looking at. They're hoping they get you know a magical guy just like those guys are, where they can turn their team around in a hurry and make them a contender. So I I do get the the thought process there from the Wolf family. Okay, my my point though when they didn't hire Harbaugh was there's always going to be that guy. If it doesn't work out with Harbaugh, you're going to have that guy. There's always going to be the next guy in the McVeigh tree, the Shanahan tree. That guy's going to be there. And you can do that then. After you, after you roll the dice with a guy who took a 6-10 and 10 49ers team with the benefit of no offseason program to the brink of the Super Bowl in his first year on the job. I, I, that, and, I know, and I know that was 10 years ago, and the game has changed, and his offense sucks. I know all that. It sucks. But, uh, I mean, that team was a Super Bowl yeah. team, and he couldn't win a Super Bowl. That's the first thing I want to say. I would say they are clearly the most talented team in football for, like, four years. Clearly. You can talk to anybody in the sport. That's where I just – I won't get behind John Har- Jim Harbaugh the way you will. I definitely won't. I know I got personal issues with him, but I even thought before the personal issues he was overrated as a coach. His offense is stuck at, stunk at Stanford. They stink at Michigan. He, he gives them, like, very little wiggle room to win football games. I mean, look at the Georgia game this year. That was the game plan you guys came in with? Run up the middle. Fullback, hit that guy and run up the middle against a team that's got, like, 20 pros on the front seven. Like, it's just stupid. He's overrated. I'm sorry. It's a, gifted, it's a gift that they didn't sign him. You're going to be happy. You're going to be happy, and you would have been more mad if Kevin O'Connell went somewhere else and became this guy that, you know, you're hoping he becomes. And if they went Harbaugh, you'd have been sitting here going, well, they could have got Kevin O'Connell, but they went with Harbaugh. You'd be saying that three years from now when Harbaugh would go, I think I'm going to leave here and get the hell out of here because I've pissed off everybody in the organization and everybody hates me now and I can't work with anybody, so I'm going to go back to Michigan and do that. But so, I, you know, you know me, I can't get behind Jim Harbaugh at anything. So where where would Kevin O'Connell have become the head coach this year? Oh no, but maybe next year. You miss him out next year. I'm just saying next year maybe that it's just you you know, so they're going with the guy right now that they think's hot instead of the guy that's, you know, been a pain in the ass that everybody's worked for and had good results. Good results. He didn't he didn't build the team in the 49ers. The team was built. You know, they had a crappy coach before that. He came into a right situation. He got them on the right track, no doubt about that. But he wasn't signing the free agents or doing anything like that. You know, that's where I still get mad at, like, the Trent Balky talk. That team was phenomenal. And, yeah, he, every, if there's a big game, Jim's going to lose it. We've proved, that's been proven. How can you get not be behind that? I mean, he's, it's year six. He finally beat Ohio State. He weaseled out of playing them last year. Didn't even want to play them. That's what you want? The guy that's, like, afraid to compete? I don't even want to play them, so it doesn't go on my record. I mean, get out of here. I can't stand him. <clears throat> and then he weaseled more money out of Michigan. Look at him. <laughs> He's such a weasel. I can't stand him. <laughs> I'm, I'm, glad, yeah. I'm glad that I have created an environment where go you Ohio are State. content O-H-I-O. to be honest. Yes. All yeah. we want is honesty. We don't want lies. We don't want fakery. We don't want buffoonery. We want honesty. But uh, 
I still, I, I'm sorry. I know I, you do. I, still, I know. I wanted it. I wanted it, and I thought it was going to be great. Yeah. And now we'll see what happens. And, you know, when you mention Shanahan and McVay yeah. and LaFleur and Taylor. Yeah. With Shannon and McVeigh, there was real buzz and expectation they were sure, going to be great. And sure. they have been. And they were calling plays, LaFleur, too. Right. With right. LaFleur and Taylor, it was. I remember with LaFleur, we were kind of like, Yeah, definitely. He's getting thrown to the wolves here with right. Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers didn't get input in this. Oh, good luck, Matt LaFleur. Good luck with all that. LaFleur's been tremendous. Taylor, it helps to have Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase, but Taylor has turned it around in a bad situation where they. They have a lot of outdated procedures, to say the least, in Cincinnati. So uh, we'll see. If O'Connell's successful, it's going to be more like LaFleur and Taylor because he's not walking through the door with buzz. He's not a guy who picked Minnesota over J- Jacksonville or Houston. Yeah, I hear you Houston there. You're or, right. The hype's you know, not other behind team. it. They, they, there was no tug of war for I get Kevin you. O'Connell that made him an A-lister. Yes. So I hear you there. Either, You're right. The Vikings got it got it really, really right, and the rest of us are – are missing something or uh you know they'll they'll be back in the market for another head coach maybe they can hire jim harbaugh three or four years from now. <laughs> he'll be available i'm sure <laughs> speaking of harbaugh he did sign a new contract oh yeah extension through 2026 but the buyout's the key i haven't seen the updated buyout terms i, I think next year he'll be thinking about going to the nfl again the, the things he said about the Super Bowl yes. versus the college national championship, right. it's obvious to me he wants to go back to the NFL. No doubt. I mean, how did he phrase it, Mike? Like, what well, one's the ultimate prize and the other one's just a, it's a nice prize. I'll settle for it. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, yeah, well go it get all. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it says it all. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Either way, go Ohio State. Now that I've now that I've pissed off everyone in the Vikings organization and you've pissed off everyone at the University of Michigan, let's take a break. <laughs> Uh, another Sean McVay disciple, Zach Taylor, uh, wasn't as happy at the Super Bowl. His post-mortem press conference and some final thoughts on the Super Bowl when we return on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. I think that we'll just look to improve the team in any way that we can, you know, and not specific to one necessary group. Um, you know, the, the offensive line helped us get to the Super Bowl, you know, and they gave us opportunities to go win the Super Bowl. And, and everything always falls on them statistically, but that's not always the case. You know, there's play calls that could be better um, to help put them in a better position. And, and so there's a lot that plays into all that. And, and again, they, they, were, they were an offensive line that helped us get to the Super Bowl and gave us opportunities to win. And, and I think they should be commended for that. To be, that, that being said, though, Burrow was still sacked 70 times, you know, in the regular season and postseason combined. If, if the offensive line, you feel like, was, you know, good enough and ample enough to get you all there, you know, what, what do you attribute those 70 sacks to the majority of them then? We just got to be better as a unit. That, that is a, a, very, a literal and accurate answer. We do have to be better as a unit. There's so many things that go into it. It's the quality of the players. It's the quality of the coaching. It's the quality of the execution. Sometimes the quarterback holds the ball a little bit too long. That's, right. That's part of it too. Right. Right. Yeah. Everything goes into it. Yeah. I think there there is that. You know. Hey, you got a young offensive line. That's the first thing. Are there some guys there that yeah you'd probably like to get an upgrade? No doubt about that. Yes. 
You know, so there's that aspect of it. Burrow is a guy that will hold on to the ball a little bit throughout the year and take some sacks. Listen, all we got to do is go back to the divisional game with the Tennessee Titans. He took some really bad sacks in that game, knocked him out of field goal position once or twice. So that's part of it. You're going to have to deal with that too when you got a guy like Joe Burrow because, of course, a lot of the times he gets out of those plays and makes things happen. But, you know, regardless, they're, they're flirting with danger, as we've talked about. I mean, we talked about it last year. We're talking about it again. And that's got to change for their football team. You know, it goes back to our free agency conversation we started off the show with, you know, and, and the Packers. Yeah, this is a time, Bengals, you got to break the mold a little bit with what you do in free agency. And the time is now. You know, the iron is hot. Like it's, it's, you got the team. So now protect your best player on your team and get that offensive line straight. And then also, you know, what was disappointing about the game, Mike, is they did nothing really to help the offensive line out. They did nothing. You know, that's where I don't get it. Everybody in the world that watches football knew that this was an issue in the game, and the Bengals just went, well, we'll just, we think we'll play better this game. That's really what they did. They just went, we'll play better. Our guys will play better. Oh, okay. Right? And that's where I don't get it. There was no movement in the quarterback. There was no reverses. There was no screens. Well, we talked about it all week. The Rams are the worst. We talked about it all week. I, if I'm the Bengals, I'm going to take every Debo Samuel screen I saw from the 49ers against the Rams over the last three years and put it in my game plan. No screens against the team that was worst in football at defending the screens. Don't keep tight ends in the block. Oh, wait, you did one play and you threw for a 75-yard touchdown on it? And don't do it again? Like, uh, just some of that stuff, like, uh, that's where I look at the Bengals and just go, I don't know what the hell they were doing the two weeks in the preparation. They just went with, "Ah, we'll block them this week. I don't know why, but we will. Oh, okay. There really was a comment last week from someone with the organization, someone in coaching, that uh, they they trust that their guys are going to. Yeah, you're right. They said that. They'll play well when they have to. Right. They'll play well when they have to. Well, they didn't. They didn't. Yes. If if they'd have held their block a little bit longer. On fourth and one, they would have had the parade in Cincinnati yesterday because Joe Burrow would have seen Jamar Chase wide ass open because Jalen Ramsey fell down, and, and, and that's on the offensive line that Joe Burrow didn't have time to see it happen, period. Sure. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a handful of plays during the game that people are open and protection affects it. Or now the protection's good, and Burrow, though, has been under such pressure the last three or four plays, he's still worried about, am I protected, that he can't see down the field correctly. So it's the filter-down effect, too, where, yeah, there was a number of plays that, you know, there were some opportunities to, to, to be had there, and they didn't get done because there was somebody in his face, or he was always having to look over his shoulder to help, you know make sure he was okay uh and they got to get that fixed there's no doubt kelly craig's question do you feel joe burrow took too many bad sacks hard to be upset with him with the state of the line but seemed to take some uncharacteristically bad sacks thoughts on that p.s love your banner with that jerk florio hey kelly we didn't ask for any commentary we just love want questions no editorial <laughs> observations please get off my screen Man. okay so and th- th- this like is kind of guy. what we already talked about yeah where is the balance? Yeah. And it's on the quarterback to get rid of the ball faster. But as you said, it's on the coaching staff to design plays that allow him to get rid of the ball faster and to put the defense in a bad spot and to take advantage of the weaknesses in the defense. And they had two weeks to come up with this. I know. That's what I, I, I just don't understand it. I don't. You know, one, in the game itself, I did not think he took any bad sacks. You know, I did not look at it and go, oh, man, you know, that was a stupid one. He most times when he, he was overwhelmed, he had no chance. He couldn't even do anything. 
You know, the other thing, too, is that's different about the game and the Rams and the animals that they are on that side of the ball. And I say that respectively. Hey, Joe, you know, Joe Burrow, a few times when he did get out of the pocket, uh, I made a point on my podcast yesterday and going, hey, you know, against most teams, he turns the corner here and gets eight or nine yards. We saw him do that. Against the Rams with the speed they had up front, he couldn't turn the corner. So he'd get pushed out for a no gain or loss of one. You know, there was the difference in that. But I didn't look at this game specifically and think Joe Burrow took bad sacks. You know, I don't know, Mike. I don't know. Is there one that comes to your mind? But here, look at these here. I mean, there's no. He didn't have time to take a no bad time sack. To do anything. And then he thinks he's going to turn the corner, <laughs> but he's got Aaron Donald with the rocket up his butt. Now you got the five man rush. What is? Where is he going to? go that's not a bad sack he had the ball for like one mississippi and it was like get sacked i mean what are you gonna do there and the guy's not open and to the point there where the the game plan was ordinary it's like they knew what route was coming there again here that's not holding it too long that is the dam is broke and it broke in a hurry and it's a damn waterfall coming out of there so uh this was not one of the games joe burrow took bad sacks it wasn't they were overwhelmed up front that was ultimately why i picked him to win yeah because We've seen in too many Super Bowls in recent years you go with the what D-line. happens when yeah. that D-line is talented and motivated. And, my God, the way that Aaron – nothing I get – I mean, look, it's, it's Aaron Donald. you got to do something. To, it's not just – you know how you say with the X's and O's and it looks good on the board and we're going right. to put a tight end on the defensive right. end and it's all going to work out. Sometimes you have a guy that will maul – anyone you try to block him with one-on-one so you have to come up with another plan you you have to you have to do the red dot thing on that guy and you have to come up with a game plan that is specifically aimed at taking him away the problem is you know they may have tried to solve this rubik's cube 50 different ways because if you shift resources to donald then von miller is going to have seven sacks by himself that, that's the problem they were facing that's if it. you cover both of them leonard floyd's yeah, going to be exactly the Super Bowl right MVP. exactly right that's right it's a, they're completely undermanned there was there was really no matchups that look good and you know mike I, i'm going to jump ahead of here because just we're talking about it like we got a question here from at goal line stand too could you show how the rams got aaron donald one-on-one in the second half matt casey let's go back to that last that last pack of plays there and get to the one five-man rush yeah it's coming and i'll show you but they you know to to your point you know in the first half with the way the rams lined up on defense and they kind of played it simple uh the the Bengals were able to figure out a way to get the center to go to aaron donald's side every time so the guard and the center could double team him a lot but the, one of the great adjustments of the football game, in my opinion, was by Raheem Morris. And the second half, look at this play here. If you guys just pause it right at the start before he snaps the ball, if you can go back. Like here, Mike, this is one of the, and this is one way they did it, but they did it a variety of ways. Where, look here, Mike, you know, they got a linebacker over the center. This is some of the stuff they started to do in the second half. To where now the line, the, the, uh, the, the center can't do anything. Aaron Donald's on the right over 77, Adon- Adina J, Adina J, excuse me. And so now, because of this alignment, they didn't allow the Bengals to help out on Aaron Donald. And to me, that was one of the keys. They found ways to get in different sets up front to where now they couldn't find ways to finagle to blitz Aaron Donald. And that was, to me, one of the big adjustments of the football game that that helped the Rams win and helped the defense dominate in the second half. Play that one off the snap again, too, because it looked like 75 was thinking about helping out 
but 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 he could once because I think he's it ain't gonna happen. No, and you know what I think he's thinking is because a lot of the times the Rams get in these sets and one guy drops out, so he might have been thinking, wait, fifty-eight might drop out here and the other four come, so he is probably getting ready to help out. Right, you're right. It looks like he was agreed with you. It looked like he was ready to help out seventy-seven, but then fifty-eight came and he couldn't help, and the setters one on one, and then the other aspect that they did a lot in the second half. Look on the left side here of the offensive line. Look at the Rams defensive players. They did more of this in the second half too, where you'll see both D linemen on the left side of your screen slant in. 50 Jones loops around. So they played more games up front, more stunts and slants and twists and all of that. And the Bengals, not only could they not double team Aaron Donald like you see, but they had a hard time passing off some of these stunts and things as well, which was a weakness for them all year long. And, you know, the, their weaknesses got exposed in the biggest game in the worst way. I mean, it was seven sacks. It could have been 10 or 11 sacks easily. I mean, Burrow got his, the ball out of his hand about as quick as anybody in Super Bowl history in this football game and still got sacked seven times. That's the play that saved the game. Saved that's, the game, that's Mike. The you said it after. You're the, right. The, uh, yeah. Kept a minute. 11-point deficit early yeah. in the third quarter. Right. And then maybe they start pressing on offense, and then it's an 18-point hole. Yeah. What, what can you do about that, though? I'm looking for the openings. There isn't enough time to Burrow, for Burrow to do anything. I, at one point, I'm thinking maybe that's a spot where you – first of all, you have to know it's coming. Yeah, but sure. I, wh- 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 where's the opening when you just get overwhelmed like that? Is there an opening when your offensive line just gets swallowed no. and devoured? By the defense. No, I think that goes into like, you know, again, our Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Bucks conversation last year right into this. Like, they just need some better Jimmies and the Joes there. They do. Let alone, you know, back to the point where they never slowed the Rams down. They never made them think. Wait, there was never a reverse or a toss sweep to, you know, Jamar Chase. There was never, you know, the screens we talked about. So the Rams just got to keep going zoom, 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 zoom. And then, you know, what are the other things you can do when you're under? man there you know we've talked about it a lot through the playoffs and we see good offenses do it let's keep a tight end in let's keep the back in now we can slide the line one way and help out with a bunch of people there and overmatch them with numbers you know that's where it was disappointing in my opinion so they need better players sure we know that but they also did nothing to make the Rams defensive line think or slow down ever the whole game it was just like hey we'll just Joe will just throw it quick and, you know, I, I, you know I, I know you heard me, I think, in the pregame show. That was one of the things that really jumped out to me when Joe Burrow went out for his personal workout. All he did was throw the ball quick. It was like, that's all he did. It was, get it out, get it out. Or, wait, Aaron Donald's coming, let me throw it awkwardly. He worked on that as, as, as much as I've ever seen a quarterback do that type of stuff in a pregame warm-up. And that, to me, it should have been a warning for me to go, wait, they, they just think he's going to have to make plays today and just make magic happen. That's the approach they're going in. They're just going to hope their guys work better. Uh, and that's what happened, and that's what kind of came to fruition once the game started. And, and, hey, fourth and one. I, I still want to go back and look at it more carefully. It looks like that throw that he made, the desperation heave, had a chance of being caught by Samaj Piran. As amazing as that would, would be if he, if he would have caught it, it wasn't all that far away from Piran as the ball came, came in. Uh, to, to your point, he, was fine. he knew he was going to have to find ways to get rid of the ball quickly. Yeah, yeah. Here's a question from Michael B. Rubin. If Aaron Donald were replaced with an average defensive tackle to the Rams still win the game? Mm, probably not. No. No, I don't think they would. 
Uh, he he was too many of the key plays of the football game, as you've already stated, and we've stated earlier in the week that. He was the, he was the dominator. He was the f the play up guy. Whether it's the sack we just showed a minute ago that kicked the Bengals made the Bengals kick the field goal, you know. Whether it was of course the third and one run by Samaji Ryan and he tackles him. I mean, come on, go back and look at that tackle on third and one. I mean, it's insane. Samaji Ryan's two hundred and thirty pounds, powerful, got legs and butt and hamstring and power. Aaron Donald stuck an arm out and was like, "Roar! You stop here! You don't get first down." I mean, watch this play again. This is a gifted, powerful human. He just goes, "Nope! Roar! You stop there! No first down for you, Bengals!" And then the next play, he's like, "Now I come as sacker, and I'm just gonna screw your left guard up, and you have no chance of blocking." That's insane what he did right there. And then hey, right away. Hey, listen, let me tell you. Yeah. Let me tell you something. He pulled him back so fast, they didn't realize that they spotted it in the wrong place. That probably, was a bad spot they on They probably should have got it. Yeah, he didn't get the first down, but you're right. They probably cheated him out about of a foot, at least, as far as getting the, the uh, first down. You're right. You know, Watch get, this again. Watch yeah, this again. Yeah. He shoots through, and he's almost there. That ball's a lot closer to the line than the next snap would indicate. But see, see the the, the uh, down judge comes in and 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 goes more toward where Aaron Donald pulled him back to. That's key though, because on four, if it's fourth and really short, maybe you don't call a pass there. No, you're right. Maybe they don't. You know, maybe they don't. You're right. Where the Bengals are gonna gonna really kick themselves is the play before that play right there on second and one. Is Burrow? If you remember this cor- correctly, Mike. He threw the ball out of bounds on the right side to Jamar Chase, right? So here's the last drive. You know, you had this big play where, again, this is one of Jalen Ramsey's weak points. Goes kind of for the interception, doesn't know what to do. Now we got the first and ten. They get the nine yards, right? So here's the play to me, Mike. He he throws this away, and if we could rewind this just one more time. Look at the top of the screen. This is the one he's going to be mad at. First off, he throws the go route down here. You can see Jalen Ramsey's ten yards off. This is not when you want to throw the go route. Jamar Chase, but look at the top of the screen. He's got Boyd right there, and he had Higgins. That is the play to me where he's going to look back and go, damn it, you know, why did I try to throw a go route against Jalen Ramsey, who was 12 yards off, and then he just threw it out of bounds, and now we have the third down run, and then, of course, the famous famous fourth down pressure by by Aaron Donald. But it was that second down play, and then, yes, the curious, the curious third down run with Pirine, where you go, where was Joe Mixon? Why wasn't he in? Certainly some things to question about the Bengals' approach in the game. Why didn't Piran lay out for that ball? I I, I know it's, it's all happening his, very fast. He kind of came out of a cut, and I, I, I you know on the coach's film, Mike, because I was watched it too. For it. He, he was it looking was, for it. It was it's much it was much shorter than you think too. Like it died yeah. out in front of him and a little bit upfield to where it, it's a little bit I think of an optical illusion on TV as far as it wasn't as close as it looks like on that. Matt play. Casey saying it wasn't as close as it looks. Yeah, you know what right. though? After that first down play, when they got it to second yeah. and one, but here's the play. That first down play, that first down play was when I thought they're going to score a touchdown and win the no game. That's how quickly it. it changed. Yes, yes, I'm with you. When when Chase went up the sideline, I went, oh man, they're going to be. Forget the field goal to tie it here. They're they're going for the win. This is going to be dicey. And then the Rams just made some unbelievable plays. Here's Zach Taylor talking about why it was Samaj Piran on that third and short play and not Joe Mixon, as many people have argued it should have been. Here's Taylor from yesterday. You know, we were in two-minute mode, and, and Samaj has done a great job. You know, his role has really been as a protecting back and a lot of the things that come with that, off of that. 
And, uh, you know, it was, it, it's one of those situations where, where I called the play, um, you know, a little later on the clock. And, and so, you know, I was the one that said, leave him in there, you know, Justin, Justin asked if we wanted to make a change, Justin Hill, our running back coach. And, and I said, you know, just leave Samaje in there. And, and uh, obviously it didn't work out for us, whether if Joe was in there or not, he's, he's, certainly deserving of the opportunity and a key moment and a key game to try to get it for us as our feature back. Um, but again, that's just one of the decisions you make in the moment and, and you got to move forward with it. Um, there's other things I certainly could have done over the course of the game that would have put us in a better position and, and unfortunately didn't get it done. I appreciate the candor, but yeah. you know, the reality is he's going to be tormented by those last two plays for, for, for the rest of his life. He's going to be torn. And, and I would be, I would be tormented by, by not getting the play in fast enough, not getting the right, the, the ideal personnel on the field to execute that play and get the first down. They, they had the Super Bowl. They, they could have won it. That's what you coach for. That's what you work for. That's what you bust your ass for. That's what you dream of when you're a kid. It's going to be hard for him to put that behind him, but the challenge is take it and use it as fuel to try to get back and do it. Good luck in the AFC pulling that off. Though. Yeah, it, it, it's, you're right. I mean, the AFC, we know that. We've hit that. The quarterbacks are crazy. Hey, it, you know, again, I don't get so mad about you know P Ryan being in there. I, you know, again, this, this he is their third down, two minute back. He is, you know, ultimate world. Would you like Joe Mixon in there? Yes, to his point. There's no doubt about that. But you know, hey, again, it's easier said than done. It's also, hey, the clock's going down. You're looking at your plays. Wait, I like these passes. I like these runs. Oh, let me figure out, okay, I'll go with this run. And you look up the clock. You know, you might want to put Joe Mixon in, but there's 16 seconds left in the play clock. Okay, forget it. You also could be thinking, man, if we put Joe Mixon in, they're going to be expecting the run, and maybe they'll be all over it a little bit more. So there is that side of it, too. To me, this goes a little bit under, like, yeah, it stinks. Yeah, wish we would have done something different in there but rubbing is racing a little bit it's not a perfect game things aren't going to always be perfect you know you'd like to think p ryan could get that yard it just hey it's one of the greatest defensive players of all time holding up that's holding up a lineman with one arm going no you can't move me even though you're 30 30 pounds bigger than me and then tackling a guy with another arm that's what we saw and that was pretty remarkable too so we got to put respect on aaron donald in the play too and that's the key. Yeah. Back to one of the earlier questions. If it's an average defensive tackle, P. Ryan gets the first right, down. Right, exactly. The Bengals keep moving. Right. Maybe tie the game, maybe win the game. Right. It's Aaron Donald, and that, that has to factor into everything you do. And, and I think that's the broader failure here to echo the point you made earlier. The game plan itself didn't cry out. We have taken fully into account the fact that we're dealing with Aaron Donald today. Yeah, agreed. It, 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 it didn't. It didn't reflect that reality. They just they hoped, they wished that that their offensive line would hold up better. And as Billy Bob Thornton said in Bad Santa, wish in one hand and crap in the other and see which one fills up. <laughs> First. Merry uh, tweets by Donovan. Let's let's say they let's say they had scored a field goal on that drive and tied the game up. If it goes to overtime, how does the NFL handle the Super Bowl MVP voting? They can't go by what was submitted with two minutes to go in regulation. Why could the NFL question. utilize that process? For games that end in regulation, what they do, and Shereen Williams explained this the other night, they they they, they really want to know by the two-minute warning. Regardless of anything that they said to me on Monday when I was asking them questions, I could tell they really didn't appreciate it. You know, everybody in the media should be saying what a great Super Bowl it was and not asking any tough questions that day. Like, when else are you going to have tough, ask tough questions about the Super Bowl MVP voting process than right after the Super Bowl? But um, <laughs> I digress. Yeah, She said that what they do, they want your answer by the second 
by the two-minute warning. And, and what a lot of people will do is say, this guy, if the Rams win, this guy, if the Bengals win. Huh. Instead of get back to me when the game's over. But, but the league says they continue to check with the voters and confirm the vote. But I think if it goes to overtime, all bets are off. And I'd like to think they just wipe the, cl- the slate clean and say, get back to me when the game's over. Because how would you know who the MVP is until we know who the winner is? I think the winner of the MVP award always has to come from the winning team. The Chuck Halley thing was an aberration, although when you look back at that game, there really wasn't anyone else yeah, that deserved right, it. Right. But it should come from the winning team, so you need to at least see what the outcome of the overtime period or periods will be. Uh, agreed. I mean, you know, again, like, what if we were – you know, like handing in, you know, the MVP, and those, let's pretend the divisional game, Chiefs-Bills, was the, the, the Super Bowl. I mean, what, what, what would you have done there? I mean, been like, oh, Mahomes, oh, no, 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 wait, this drive, Allen. I mean, oh, wait, I, we, we, already, we put it in with two minutes well, left, even though teams scored four more times. Like, I, I don't know. Again, the, to me, it's so stupid. It's 16 votes. Wait till the freaking game is over. And is I mean I don't know. Has the NFL gotten that bad to where we can't count to sixteen and and the time between the games over and the twenty minutes before the trophies handed out? Has it gotten to that point to where it's it's do they have to call three forty five Park and get like an instant replay review on the counting? I mean, what the hell is going on? This is the simplest thing I, in the world. It's like ridiculously stupid. Ridiculous. I'm amazed it's taken this long for it to become an issue. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, because it's been hiding in plain sight yeah. for 50-plus years. It needs to change. And I think part of it is, and I, like, I don't want to wear a groove in our back here, but because we're willing to, to point out the, the flaw, you know, we don't get caught up in the day after Super Bowl saying how great this was, how great that was, and this is great, and that's great. It's like, hey, there's something happened here that maybe doesn't make sense. And now's the time to talk about it. By the end of the week, nobody's going to care. If we don't talk about it in the immediate aftermath of the Super Bowl, it's going to be gone, it's going to be over, it's going to be done, and we will have moved on to something else. Yeah. Right? We're this not is, ready to move oh, on. Oh, I was just going to say, they, they just, they, they, they've dodged bullets. You're right. There's just been very few instances. But they, we have finally got to a Super Bowl where I really think like you take 99 out of 100 football fans and they all go, no, Aaron Donald was the MVP. So it took, I guess, one of these type of instances for, every, for, for at least us to shine the light on it. And hopefully they do change it. Sorry to interrupt you, man. And Cooper Cup did have a great game. He had a great game. It wasn't game. the Fred Bolitnikoff right. four catches for 79 yes. yards and no touchdowns for right. Super Bowl eleven. He did have a great game. He did. But they're not winning that game without Aaron Donald. Exactly. He was the most valuable to the effort that day to score more points than the Bengals. Let's take a break. we got some more mailbag questions left over from Super Bowl 56. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. 